And the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that. You can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best, and always choosing the best. Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. It's been a great joy to do these shepherd summits and ask God to move and work and by His Spirit to quicken our thinking, our hearts, open our understanding. I'm honored by the fact that you would join me and listen to these things. I want us to pray together and ask God to guide us and help us. Let's pray, may we? Our Father, for this day we give you praise and glory for allowing us to live this day. We want to give the opportunity to Thee to work in our lives. Guide us by Your Spirit. Move mightily in this meeting. Do what I cannot do, no matter how hard I work or study. And that is by Your Spirit, work in the hearts of people. Seal these things that are true. Bring to my heart and mind what needs to be said and Keep from my lips what needs not be spoken. In Christ's name, amen. amen. I believe I ought to talk to you just for just a few minutes, no, just a few minutes, about my trip to the passage in Montana. That's where I was this past week. God has allowed us to purchase 120 acres in Heron, Montana. And we've established what we call the passage. This particular place in Montana is where Lewis and Clark came through and it is ideally located. It is a school, an elite school that operated for many years, I think for 13 years if I'm not mistaken. They charged $1,000 a week for a student to come to the school. And uh, it was for wealthy people's children. But the one thing they would not allow, they would not allow God's Word. They would not allow the Bible. Uh, they would not allow any truth about the Lord to be used in people's lives. And so I think the Lord shut it down. Uh, with all the money they were charging, they went bankrupt. And for three years, they didn't operate. And so I found out about the property. We've been praying about having a launching place, a beachhead in the northwest United States. And from there to that community, to that area, and to the world, uh, we wanted to expand God's work. So the Lord has given us this property I wish you could see it. We'll put a full schedule of 2022's programs online <clears throat> and let you see uh, what might be available for you to come. And I hope that you'll do that. But be praying much that God will continue to bless and guide us and help us in every way. I want to talk to you today about a very important subject. And I want you to write it down just as it's given here. 
I say most people who preach and teach the Word of God preach and teach to be heard. But what I want to recommend to you is to change that dynamic and to preach and teach the Bible to be repeated so that what you say others are repeating and uh, we're asking God to help us and show us that and we will work with it as best we can. I want to read to you from the Word of God, which you, if you will, find the passage in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. The Bible says here, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So we're able to teach others because of what we know, what we've learned, what we've been taught. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So if we're going to continue, we're continuing the things we've learned and been assured of so we can teach others. In the same chapter of the Bible, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writing to Timothy said in verse 10, But thou hast fully known, and begins a list of things that Timothy has fully known. How has Timothy come to fully know these things? Because he's heard them over and over and over. He has fully known. And there's a list here. And he says, Thou hast fully known. It begins with my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions. And then he says, Which came unto me, and he names, names the places where they came. When you open your Bible in the book of Acts, when God's work continues by the work of the Holy Spirit through the, through the apostles, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they that gladly received his word, verse 41, were baptized, and the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. And then the word of God says in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. How, how were they able to continue in the apostles' doctrine? How did that happen? The Lord Jesus explained to his disciples during his earthly ministry that he got his doctrine from God. And he taught his doctrine to his disciples. So it came from God to the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, and from the Lord Jesus to his, to his followers, to his disciples. And they were able to continue. They had doctrine that could be called the Apostles' Doctrine. So when people came to know Christ as Savior, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. They didn't have to think about what they were supposed to teach people. They taught them what the Lord Jesus had taught them. So I'm saying to you, don't preach and teach to be heard. Some people get in love with themselves and just enjoy people hearing them. But preach and teach the Bible 
to be repeated. You want the listener to hear it in such a way that he comprehends it, he knows it, and he can repeat it. I remember the first conversation I ever had uh, meeting Peter Masters, the longtime pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he said to me, you probably think that when Charles Spurgeon preached that people came out of the woodwork from all of London, though a million people did move into London during the 37 and a half year ministry of Spurgeon, many people were coming into the city of London. But he said, that's not how it happened at all. Spurgeon preached with expectation. And the expectation was that the listener would become the preacher. And he had more than 300 people, sometimes as many as 3,000 people, preaching his message that he gave on the Lord's Day to people during the week. So as they went about their business and their offices and wherever they worked as laborers, they were repeating Spurgeon's message. Now, the secret to the great success in the Metropolitan Tabernacle during Spurgeon's ministry more than a century ago, he went to be with the Lord in 1892, was this secret. He did not preach to be heard. He preached to be repeated. Think of that. He preached to be repeated. You see, sometimes we need to work at not just what we say, but how we say it. So that when people hear it, they can repeat it. For example, if you talk about the local church and you ask your people, what is the local church? We're having a conference, a Baptist Friends Network conference in just a few weeks. And the theme is the miracle of the local church. The miracle of the local church. Now, it is miraculous, and there's a list of things that I will give during that conference. One tiny tidbit of information about what's miraculous in each session. But if you said to someone, what is the church? Well, I define the church as a group of baptized believers who voluntarily join themselves together to carry out the Great Commission. It's a group of baptized believers who voluntarily join themselves together to obey the Lord carrying out the Great Commission. If you say winning souls... Winning souls. What is winning souls? Going soul winning. Being a faithful witness. What is it? It is going in the power of God's Holy Spirit, giving a clear presentation of the gospel, and bringing people to the place of receiving or rejecting Jesus Christ. And I've taught our people. I didn't say let's go soul winning or let's be witnesses. I've taught them what it is. I'm not saying I'm doing a better job than you're doing, but I learned a long time ago that I would not preach to be heard. That I would preach to be repeated. I want many people in that congregation listening to go out and say, this is what the pastor said. This is what came to the Word of God. And when we, when we use words of Scripture, I, I give an example often. You may have heard it before. Baptists enjoy saying, once you're saved, you're always saved. The Bible never says that. You don't find that in the Bible. 
But the Bible does say, <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You have everlasting life. Everlasting life is the way God says it. In John chapter 17 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus declares that he is life everlasting. To know him is life everlasting. That he's the everlasting eternal one. If you have the eternal one living in you and he will never leave you or forsake you, then you have eternal life because you have the life of the eternal one living in you. I'm saying sometimes men get very fancy and, and repeat things and they like to hear themselves speak. But think about giving people the word of God. These are God's words. This is the word of God. As much as possible, give things in the way God has given them. State them the way God has stated them. God's words are more powerful than man's words. God's words are more endearing and enduring than God's words. God's words are clearer than man's words, than man's words. And I, I think you, you ought to think about this. We're protecting Bible doctrine and the truth that can be passed from one person to another by giving it in God's words. Say it the way God said it. Sometimes you just read when you're preaching, just read the statement as God gave it. This is the way the Lord has stated this particular truth. And may God help us. I don't think, if, if you don't get anything else out of our time together today, than this, that you are speaking for God in God's presence, and you are speaking so that people will speak as you have spoken, and they'll repeat what you've said. Now, I'm preaching what you're preaching. You're preaching what I'm preaching. And we're preaching what God has said in his word. It's not because I don't have anything else to say. It's because I have nothing more important to say than what God has said. And I want you to think about that. My message is your message. Your message is my message. And our message is God's message to all people. Make sure the message that you're preaching is his message. And when people hear it, say it clearly, distinctly. Help them to understand this is God's word. Now, you're not inerrant, infallible, but God's word is. So continue this way. Remember the Bible says, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. Listen to that verse again. Continue in the things which thou hast learned. And has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You see, that little phrase, has been assured of, is the, is the critical thinking process that goes on in our mind. We don't force these things on people, but we give them to people. And they don't, they don't just say, well, that's what the preacher said, I'm going to say that. They've come to be convinced that this is what God's Word says. You're his messenger. You're giving his message. And that little phrase, and that's been assured of, ought to be the conviction of your heart. I'm convinced of this. Every, every preacher should speak what he believes. 
and you shouldn't be preaching it if you don't believe it. And you should say it in such a way that people know you believe it. And it's like the soul winner in New York City years ago who was confronting a woman in a hotel lobby. And after he left, her husband arrived and she was still weeping. And he said to her, inquiring, what's wrong? And he said, that man talked to me about God and eternity. And he said, well, why didn't you tell him to mind his own business? And she said to him, if you had been here, you would have realized what I realized, that he was doing his business. This was his business. He was convinced of it. Remember, Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Again and again, you'll find in the New Testament where he said, and again, I say unto you, and again, I say unto you, and again, I say unto you. Now, he didn't mind repeating himself. And they learned, and what they learned, they were able to give to other people. Uh, we must be able to speak to be heard. Uh, this is the way God has given us to speak. Now, I'm going to try to help you with that. You say, I'm called. Well, what are you called to do? You're called to get his message. It's not your message, it's his message. And you're giving his message. I think this could be a revolutionary principle in your preaching. I really do. I like to hear that people have repeated what we've said. And uh, just like I said with Mr. Spurgeon, when Peter Masters said that people didn't just come out of the woodwork to hear Spurgeon, they had people bringing them, and they were telling people what they'd heard Mr. Spurgeon say. He trained them to repeat his message. I want you to think what a difference in your church this Lord's Day. If you gave a message in clarity, with urgency, and certainty, if you gave that message, and your people left there believing it was their responsibility to give the people they met, your message, the same message with urgency, the same message with clarity, the same message with certainty. If they believe that, may, may God help us. Um, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Who is there in your group that believes it is their responsibility to repeat what you've said. Are you getting it? Yes. Who is there in your church service that's listening with intensity as you're preaching with intensity? Who is it that's listening and says, I, I want to repeat this. I know somebody that needs this. I'm going to, why don't you change places, please? All right? And why don't you say, I want to give this and do this to someone to get them the message. You're preaching your heart out. You're pouring your life out. You're passionately giving them everything you could possibly give them. And then you think it's just going to hit them and stop? It's going to stop with the people? No, they need to be the vessels to carry this message, to declare this message. I put a little book out. If you don't have a copy of it, I, I'll be happy to send you one. And I, 
I, I wanted to emphasize something in this little book. The pastor said, it's just a collection of things I've said through the years. Uh, for instance, everything begins with God. And people can say everything begins with God. I've said things like, for example, we have deacons for one reason, that's to help the pastor. We have deacons for one reason, that's to help the pastor. And so I can say in our church service, why do we have deacons? And the people will answer me, almost in unison, to help the pastor. They're not going to say that if they hadn't been taught that and told that. And so I'm saying to you, just start thinking that I'm preaching not just to be heard. That's a given. You're speaking, they're listening. That's a given. But you're speaking to be repeated. You want the people to repeat what you said. May God help us. Uh, I have an example here. One of my friends, a medical doctor, uh, was listening to one of our young preachers preach. And he called me after the young preacher preached. And he said, I, I don't know if the young preacher would have liked this comment or not, but he said, I could have closed my eyes and I would have thought I was listening to you. Now, I find that as a compliment. The young preacher may not have found that as a compliment. And so I, I, I'm saying to you, I want to be heard, but I want to be repeated. I'll say it again, again, again. We preach to be repeated. God is speaking to us and through us, and we want to give this message to people. Dr. Robertson preached on the conversion of a church. Uh, have you heard my message on the conversion of a church? It's his message. I'm not saying to you that I preach everything he preached. I wish I could preach with the intensity and power of the Holy Spirit that he preached. But he spoke the truth in the conversion of a church. And I'm trying to help people with the conversion of a church. I heard Dr. Vance Havner. I spent two weeks with Vance Havner. It was glorious weeks on two different occasions. He was the preacher at a pastor's retreat that I attended years ago. And when he came back for another occasion, I went to that week. And all week long, I listened to him and had the opportunity to walk with him through the woods. Uh, you may have heard that Dr. Havner was an avid bird watcher. That was his righteous distraction, just... He could identify all the birds in the eastern United States, he said, by their, their sounds and their appearance. But on one of those occasions, he made the statement that he knew an evangelist. I think the evangelist called himself Cyclone Sam. Evangelist Cyclone Sam. And I'll never forget Dr. Havner saying, and Cyclone said, I will either be original or I will be nothing. And we paused for a moment and listened. And Dr. Havner said, soon he was both. He was original and he was nothing. Don't be afraid to be repeated and don't be afraid to repeat. You're preaching to move beyond being heard to being repeated. Somebody told me they heard a young preacher preaching in Murfreesboro and said, oh, what a great sermon he preached. The woman did say this, the greatest sermon she ever heard that he preached. <laughs>
And I said to her, tell me about the message. She said, oh, it was on um, eagle's wings. I said, well, tell me about it, if it was so wonderful. Oh, she said he preached that eagle sermon. And, and uh, she said, I still remember his outline, how the eagle builds and the eagle breaks the nest and the eagle broods over the young and the eagle bears them on his wings. And I listened to him, listened to her talk about it. And I thought, that young man preached the sermon that I preached on eagle's wings. He repeated it. I'm glad he heard it. He did more than listen. But he didn't know that I got that message from the world pulpit that was printed 100 years ago. And the outline was very simple. The eagle builds, the eagle breaks, the eagle broods, the eagle bears. Wasn't much of a sermon in it. But the outline was there and the, and the key thoughts. Well, God gave me that as a sermon and I preached it. And so he heard me preach it and he preached it. Now, let's move that to our congregation. There are men and women who will be listening to you this Lord's Day. And you do not, I repeat, you do not want them to sit there and say, that was a good sermon. You do not want them leaving the church service and saying, my heart was blessed by hearing that preacher. Don't be satisfied with that. You want the people leaving that meeting and repeating what you said. If you didn't say it with clarity, if you didn't say it with urgency, if you didn't speak it with certainty, then how are they going to speak it? You see, everybody in the congregation needs to turn into a preacher. Every young person listening to your sermon, every adult, every man, every woman needs to be preaching your message. So when you're preparing and praying and asking God to help you, whether it's preaching through a book of the Bible, I just finished preaching through the book of Titus. I have two more messages finished to finish on the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm praying about doing something I have never done in preaching through one book of the Bible for an entire year because I found out that uh, I found out some things in reviewing my messages over these many, many years that I have preached through every book of the Bible in, except six or seven in the Old Testament and one or two in the New Testament. And I want to make sure I get through all the Word of God. But the people can't give Bible summaries but they can give truths, truths. Um, if you're preaching on the home and family and you talk about the Lord Jesus and talk about men loving their wives as Christ also loved the church, he died for the church. He gave his life for the church. He said to us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And those kinds of things that are in your message, there ought to be some things that are so clear in your message that the people listen to it and they think, that's true, that's right. I know somebody that needs to hear that. And they're now able to say that same thing to someone because you're preaching now not just to be heard, but to be repeated. It may make you feel good that people come by the door or come by somewhere or say something to you after you preach and say, that was a wonderful message. I want to say to them, what did I say? What do you remember? that I said, or what was wonderful about it. 
You see, we're guiding people to God. We're fellow helpers to the truth. We're doing all we can to help people know the truth. We're not preaching to entertain. We're not showing off. We're imparting truth to people. And we want them to impart the same truth to other people. That's what God's given us to do. Let me ask you to think just a moment. Do you have favorite preachers? Do you have favorite preachers? Do you have favorite sermons those favorite preachers have preached? Why do you have favorite sermons? Because you remember what they said. And you can share it with someone else. This is the way God has designed all of this to be done. Uh, I wonder if we would stop just for a moment and say, I'm going to give my congregation a test. Now, you're not going to do this, but if you said, I would give my congregation a test. And I'd like to write some questions. And I'd like to hold the Bible up and say, what do you know from the Bible? What do you know about the Bible? What do you know about this subject or this subject or this passage or this character from Scripture? I'll tell you what they know. They know what you've said. They know what you've told them, what you've preached to them. Because you're giving it to them, imparting truth to them. And then the next thing would be followed with, who do you know that needs to know this same truth? Think about what a dynamic change would take place in our churches, in our homes, in our families, in our counties, in our cities, if our people became preachers, repeating what we've said. Oh, may God help us. Just give it the thought when you're preparing and praying and God reveals something to you. Put it in the words of Scripture. Hone those words. Work through those things. Become, as some might call, a wordsmith. You're going to say this in clarity so that people could understand it. You may even rhetorically say something to people. Now, do you remember? And even get it repeated back to you. And you, you don't have to do that every time. But get them in the habit of saying, now you've heard it, you're responsible. Responsible to whom? Responsible to tell it to others. This is the way the gospel is given, isn't it? How do you train soul winners? We train soul winners with simplicity. We use the hand. God loves all people. All men are sinners. Sin must be paid for. Christ paid for our sin. We must personally pray and receive Christ by faith as Savior. So we take the hand and we explain to people. This thumb says God loves all people. And we give muscle to that by getting scripture to it. This pointing finger says all men are sinners. All of sin comes show the glory of God. And we give scripture verses for it. And we take this tall finger and say that sin must be paid for. The payment of sin, the wage of sin is death. And then we say the good news is that Christ paid our sin debt. This is the cross. You've heard about the cross or you're hearing about it for the first time. Jesus Christ became a man without ceasing to be God. I've said that so many times. People now talk about Jesus. I said, who is Jesus Christ? He is God. He became a man without ceasing to be God. And they've talked about that. 
ceased to be God. He did not cease to be God when he became a man. And he paid our sin debt. But you can know all four of those things and never pray and receive Christ by faith as Savior. You must pray and receive Christ by faith as Savior. So the people hear it. They hear it in simplicity. They begin to learn to explain it. They can say the same thing. They can repeat it. And then you don't do all the soul winning. Your people begin to win the souls. Because you're speaking not just to be heard, but you're speaking to be repeated. If I could just encourage you to do this one thing, I really believe with all of my heart that it would make a dynamic change in your ministry. And you can do that by the way Jesus did it. Jesus had just a handful of people that he called to himself. And when he called them to himself, he began training them. You can read Bruce's book. It's a classic. It's been around 100 years on the training of the 12. It would help you. And uh, this is a classic book, how Jesus trained them. He trained them in everything. He trained them in how to pray. He trained them in how to listen. And Bruce's book talks about this. But Jesus trained them. Why did he train them? For one reason. Not just so they would hear him, but so they would repeat what he said. And they did. They repeated what he said. They gave the truth. They continued the doctrine. And because of that, you and I are Christians today. Your church is only as strong as those you've trained to carry the message. So, uh, pastors can be good teachers or dynamic preachers, but all pastors need to be trainers too. Calling people to themselves and you follow the Lord, and as you follow the Lord, you repeat what God has said. And from generation to generation, that message is carried. So important. And I say it again. Don't just get up and think you've given the greatest message in all the world. That's for God to determine. But what have you said that people can repeat? What preaching have you done that people can, can preach? What statements have you made that can be remembered and said again? And again, if you don't have this little book, I said the Christian life is a series of new beginnings, and I explained that. And there's 50-something little sayings in this book that I've taught our people. Uh, our philosophy must grow out of our theology. The theology comes before philosophy. The philosophy has a foundation. The foundation is our theology. So we speak the truth in love, like the Bible says, because it's coming from what we know to be true about God. And you just reinforce this and repeat this. You may be preaching on Job, or you may be preaching on Moses. You may be preaching on one of the 12 disciples or the book of Ephesians. But these truths, these preaching truths and teaching truths keep coming out and keep coming out and keep coming out because you're preaching not just to be heard. You're preaching to be repeated. And your, your hearers will get more 
when you're going beyond the hearing to the repeating. It's like your own children. Don't you just love to see them doing something you've trained them to do? Don't you love to hear them repeating a truth and doing it with an emboldened manner that you've put into their lives? Well, you're the shepherd of that flock. You're the person that's getting it to them. And it ought to keep traveling. Your message ought to keep traveling. And it'll keep going as is true. We're speakers of the truth. We're fellow helpers of the truth. We're speaking the truth in love. We're guiding people to God, as I said earlier. And we're speaking not just to be heard, but to be repeated. Don't be afraid of being simple. All true profundity, everything that is truly profound, is always clothed in simplicity. And it has to be clothed in simplicity because people need to repeat it. Some of us have heard people speak and we thought, well, they're interesting. They're very interesting. But you couldn't repeat what they said because they tried to do it in such an elaborate way that you couldn't repeat it. But really what you need to do is logically present the case in simplicity and godly sincerity so people who are listening to it can repeat it logically in godly sincerity with simplicity. This is our task. And uh, years ago, something happened to me. And it was different from what I'd been doing. I realized that God had put on me a burden. I may say to you a calling that I was to teach people. Now, I was trained as a teacher, but that came naturally for me. I was trained as a teacher at the University of Tennessee. I got a degree in education and teaching, and I studied teaching methods. And I think sometimes people get a little silly with teaching methods, some teaching methods. But the fact of the matter is, you're imparting knowledge from one person to another. You're transferring truth. You're moving from the known to the unknown. And you're helping people to get hold of it. Now, in, in, in God's work, in the ministry, we have a divine aid. And that is not only the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit of God. Because God's Spirit is quickening people's minds and speaking to people's minds and helping people and guiding the truth and making clear. I remember saying to a man that I had uh, great admiration for, he was in a conference and I was preaching and I finished preaching and he talked with me and we had a good conversation. And I said to him, I'm afraid I didn't make it clear today. I was trying and he said, it's not altogether your part, your responsibility to make it clear. The Holy Spirit does that. While you're speaking, he's speaking and he's teaching. You're a human instrument and he's teaching and he's working. So you're laboring together with the Holy Spirit. And so you want the message to take wings and keep moving and moving and moving and moving. There could be five or ten, a hundred people, five hundred people, to hear what you said when you speak to be repeated and not just to be heard. How many of you think you're getting a little point here? I've said enough. What about how does it apply to your life? How would you explain something in a way that people get it and felt responsible to give it to someone else? 
that's the whole point of this uh, summit. And uh, may God give us the grace to do it. Uh, yes. What do you have a comment? When he explained to you how simply he preached. Oh. There's a man who's no longer with us who said to me, anybody could preach like you preach. I said, well, good. I hope that's true. And he said, well, uh, I, I, I make it a little more difficult than you do. Now, I repeat, this man is with the Lord now. And I said, well, what do you have to say about it? He said, well, you just take the Bible to explain the Bible. And then you take a verse and explain that. You take another part of the Bible and explain that. You just you take the Bible as the message and explain the message, explain the Bible. Well, I counted this man's illustrations in one of his messages. He gave six long, lengthy illustrations. You may have remembered one of his illustrations, but I frankly would never have remembered, I can't even remember now, anything he said. But if you give them the Word of God, Amen. when they get back somewhere alone with the Word of God, they can see the Word of God for themselves and say, this is what God's Word says. Mm -hmm. And they can repeat the Word of God to someone else. And I think people work so hard at so many things, and they're not working hard enough at the simplicity of the Scripture. Some things in the Bible are difficult to explain. But you get it before you try to give it to other people. Let it take hold of you before you expect it to take hold of other people. And uh, preach what you know, not what you don't know. Many people are trying to preach what they don't know. But until you know it, don't try to preach it. And preach what you know, what you, and not what you don't know. But do it in simplicity and godly sincerity. And speak always to be repeated you might always you might not always say did you get that you might not say something like that but you'll know that person has listened and they got hold of it so that they can share it with someone else why don't you decide that you can't get everybody in your church to do this but you can get a few people and then a few more people and a few more people what about the genius of charles spurgeon Knowing, he never had a well day from the time he was, to the time he was twenty-three years old to the time he died. Think about the genius of Spar Charles Spurgeon. What he was doing, he knew he was depending on other people to get the message out, and brother, they got it out. They just kept getting it out. Now I think I bored you long enough with saying the same thing over and over and over, but it's deliberate. It is deliberate. Speak to be repeated, not just to be heard. You're moving through hearing to be re being repeated. And may God help us. I have some questions you've sent along to me. I've heard preachers say that they would never preach the same sermon twice. This is the question. I've heard one preacher say he burns his sermon notes. Well, he's silly. After he preaches a sermon, I, I put in he's silly. Uh, I was surprised to hear this since I keep all my outlines, sermons to use again when the Lord impresses on my heart. What are your thoughts? Well, I have repeated messages. 
I've preached messages in places. Sometimes I go somewhere and people ask me to preach a certain message. I gave a message just off the cuff, so to speak. I studied, of course. But uh, on a Wednesday night after Joe Biden was elected president, and uh, God gave me a message called Righteous in Rome. Live righteously in Rome. And I, I, the whole thesis of the message was people think they've got to get all the circumstances lined up, everything right before they can live right. Well, but Paul said to the Christians in Rome as he wrote to them that they were responsible for living righteously in Rome in the face of all evil. Live righteous in Rome. Well, that message got out on Sermon Audio and got out on our websites and things, and a man heard it, and I just preached for him recently. He said, listen, if you can please get this from God and, and really believe the Lord will allow you to do it, I want you to bring that message on righteous in Rome. Now, frankly, I did what he asked. I repeated the message I had preached here. But I don't think it had the effect. But I did what he wanted. And so I'm pleased. I'm not worried about it. But uh, for me, it's not about repeating messages. I repeated messages, repeat themes, repeat, you know, doctrine needs to be repeated. And the Word of God is laced with doctrine. Doctrine is like your skeletal system. You have a skeletal system? Uh, yes, and you're, you're sitting there, you don't look like jello. You, you've got form because you've got a skeletal system. Doctrine is like that skeletal system. It is, is our belief and teaching, and it supports all else. And uh, the Bible is laced with it. And, and doctrine is throughout the Word of God. So, um, biblical theology, that's what you find. So, I, I, may not, I may say it this way. I want to make sure I've preached on everything in the Bible. That's just me. I look at my Bible. I've got about 12 Bibles just like this one. And I made a mistake or didn't make a mistake, whichever way you want to look at it. But my Bibles are so marked up. I don't know if you can get a close look at this, but you can just about turn anywhere. And you can't even read the silly thing. Uh, the thing. I mean, look, just look, marked up. There's writing everywhere. And uh, so I study through them and write in them. But I can see in my Bibles all of them the same. All of them different, but all of them the same. But I can see where I've neglected the Bible. If there's a place in the Bible that I haven't marked up and worked on, then I know that's a path I haven't walked on much. So, uh, and I know where I've preached the most and preached the least. I think I told you the other day, I haven't preached to the book of Hebrews, and I should have done that. It's an Old Testament. It's a New Testament commentary on the Old Testament. And um, so I said to the people who helped me keep up with my messages, I said, how many times have I preached on the book of Hebrews here in the last nearly 34 years? They said 130 times. And I thought, well, I haven't preached to the book of Hebrews, but I began to look at it. There's almost nothing in that book of Hebrews I haven't preached on. So challenge yourself. That's what I would say. Challenge yourself. Look at your Bible. See where you haven't been preaching and let God speak to you. Every book has a message about God. It's like 
66 pieces of a puzzle, and if one of them's been neglected, the puzzle's not complete. God wants to say something uniquely about himself in every book. If you've neglected a book of the Bible, you've neglected that part of what God wants to say about himself. So you need to get it. It's a book about God. Question number two. What resources, books, or lectures do you recommend on using the King James only? Well, uh, <laughs> this is a touchy subject because I only preach and teach from the King James Version of the Bible. But there's a little book put out by the Trinitarian Bible Society called The Lord Gave His Word. The Lord Gave His Word. It's a little book. I think you can get it for a dollar or less. They don't try to make money. They just want to get the material out. But it gives people a good introduction about why we would teach and preach from the authorized King James Version of the Bible. And I like to say the authorized version of the Bible. And I, I've given that to all our church families. They've all got it. I give that to new Christians. Because with the, the Bible a Month Club here, without all, as someone said, with all the different translations coming out all the time, bombarding people, people begin to say, I can't understand that Bible, that King James Bible. I can't understand that. Well, that's just silliness. Because they haven't read it to begin with, most of them. But... Uh, I start there. I start there. And so I don't teach or preach from anything else. When my, when my pastor was helping me as a, a young boy preacher, he gave me a copy of 26 translations of the New Testament. On occasion, even to this day, I will read a verse or a passage or a chapter from that 26 translations of the New Testament when I'm preaching the New Testament. If I'm having a little difficulty, but that doesn't happen much anymore. But I'm just being honest and sincere with you, just so I can help explain something. I don't like to hear Bible correctors. This should have been translated. This should have been translated. Just go ahead and explain it. And you're trying to have people have confidence in the Word of God. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar. I love the Bible. I preach the Bible. And, uh, but I don't want people to think my pastor's a Bible scholar. I'd like for them to think that I have some wisdom from God, the wisdom that comes from above. I've, as a matter of fact, I've written a little book on that. If you don't have it, you'll get it, the wisdom which comes from above. But uh, you can help your people. You can help your people. People want lots of things. They don't need everything they want. Uh, I have two young preachers that have said recently they want to change all the music in the church. And they said they're not reaching, excuse me, they're not reaching young people without doing that. Well, I doubt very seriously if they're even trying to reach young people. And uh, But I wouldn't change music. We have reverent worship here, and we're going to continue to do that. Yeah. Question number three. What would you consider doing at Preacher Boys? Would you consider doing a Preacher Boys Shepherd Summit? Of course I would for us to get the young men in our churches that are called to preach on here for you to speak to them. I would think that would be lovely, lovely. As a matter of fact, in all of our camps in Montana and Texas and Tennessee and, and in England, what we're going to try to do is have a week just for people who felt like God's called them, believe God's called them into ministry. We need to help people with this, no doubt about it. We need to help people. There are lots of questions. 
but speak with certainty. Speak with clarity. Speak with urgency. Speak with certainty. Speak with clarity. Speak with urgency. People can tell when you're speaking if there's urgency. We're living in perilous times. Now the Taliban has uh, taken over Afghanistan and trying to develop relationships beyond what they already have with Pakistan. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. Can you imagine nuclear weapons in the hands of the Taliban? These are perilous times. Communist China wants Afghanistan because of mineral deposits in Afghanistan in such a, such a measure like no other place in the world, especially mineral deposits that are necessary in develop electronic things and electric engines and motor cars and that type of thing. So we're, we're in for it. Only God can protect us. And so Christian faith is more than what it is in America. Jesus Christ said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So if we're ever going to reach the world, our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth, we must be local and global at the same time. Local and global at the same time. And when, when that happens, we will say when we're preaching, I'm preaching to be heard, so it can be repeated. I preach to be repeated. Oh, God help us. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. If not, I'll try again sometime. Uh, another subject, we'll try to hit it again. I'm coming to the plate. Maybe that ball got by me. And uh, whatever, but I'm trying to hit the ball in a way to help you. God bless you. Thank you for being with me today. And I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope you have a great ministry, and you enjoy the Lord. I hope you truly enjoy the Lord. If you don't have my little book on the pastor said, I'll be happy to send you a copy free. But you've got to write me and uh, send me a request for it. I'll send it to you. I think you'll enjoy it. Just take one, one or two at a time and read them. It'll give you the idea that you're preaching to be repeated. Thank you for being with me today. Pray for me. I need your prayers. Lord, we give you glory that we have health and strength to do this. Guide us by your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. It thrilled my heart to hear from you. I hope you'll send me an email. Uh, tell me something good about what you heard today, and that'll, that'll make me happy. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.